Today on episode 258 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, I'm going to tell you about a recent client of mine who almost got scammed and she didn't even know it. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. Hey, good morning and welcome back to The Computer Tutor Podcast. I am your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson, and I'm here every Monday morning to show you how to do cool things on your computer, and I do that without all the stupid technical language, just regular everyday English like everybody understands. I do a lot of computer repairs every week, so if your computer is running slowly or has some other problem, no matter where you're located, just give me a call, 727-254-9078, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And today's computer tip can be seen at my website if you go to computertutorflorida.com forward slash 258. So let's get started. Last week I mentioned that sometimes my clients give me ideas for things to talk about, but for today's show, my client is the subject of the show. This is what you'd call a case study, and it's something that just happened this past week. Personally, I think it's pretty interesting, and there are a few things you can learn from it, and that's the whole idea with this podcast, right? To learn new stuff. So here's what happened. I was contacted on Facebook by Laura. I'm only going to use her first name here. Last name doesn't really matter anyway. She contacted me because she knows from Facebook that I sell refurbished Windows laptops, and she was thinking about getting one to replace her current laptop, which recently had started to really not work very well. So I sent her all the information about what laptops I had available, and we got around to talking about what her current laptop was doing, and maybe whether or not it would be better to fix that one rather than just replace it. Of course, I never really know if it's better to repair or replace until I check out the current one, so we made a plan that she would bring me the computer and drop it off so I could check it out and see what it needed and how much it would cost, and that way she can compare the price of repairing it against the price of replacing it. When she brought the laptop to me, one of the first things that kind of popped into my head is that it looked fairly new. Maybe not brand new, but it wasn't an old beat-up laptop that was finally ready to be recycled. I could tell just by looking at it that it had been taken pretty good care of. Of course, that's just the outward appearance. A computer can look great on the outside, but if the person using the computer clicks on everything in sight and downloads a bunch of junk and that kind of thing, it can still be a mess to clean up. But you'd be surprised how many times the outward appearance is actually an indicator of how that person treats their computer. And this one looked pretty good. The problem was that it just wouldn't boot up properly. It was running really slowly, and it was coming up with a bunch of errors all the time not working the way a computer is supposed to work. So Laura was telling me all this, and sort of in passing, she mentioned that she got it about a year ago. Okay, so that's why it looks pretty new, because it is fairly new, or just not real old anyway. That prompted my next question to her, which was, if you got it about a year ago, could it still be under warranty? Because obviously, if it's still under warranty, she might want to have HP fix it for free, rather than paying me to fix it. Her response to that question was what immediately shot up a red flag alert with me. She said, no, I called HP and they said it's not under warranty anymore. And why would that response raise a red flag? 
Well, because in many cases, it means that my client was not actually talking with the person or the company they thought they were talking with. This is something I've learned over the past several years. When a client tells me, oh yeah, I was just talking with Microsoft or HP or Dell or Yahoo or any other big computer-related company name, it's a lot more likely that they were talking with a scammer who just says he's with HP or Microsoft or whatever. That's why my next question in a case like this is always, how did you get HP's phone number? And Laura said, I just found it online. And that's how you get sucked into a scam in a lot of cases. You go searching for a tech support number for HP, and you find what looks like an HP website, and it has the big toll-free number at the top. So you call, and the guy on the other end answers the phone with HP tech support, how may I help you? At that point, you have walked right into the trap, and you still have not noticed any reason to suspect anything, but you're on the phone with a 100% scammer whose only goal is to steal your money. But I still didn't let on with Laura what I thought had happened. I asked her, what exactly did the HP guy say? Did he offer to help? And Laura explained that the guy told her that the computer was no longer covered under warranty, but that she could purchase an extended warranty, and then he could connect to her computer remotely and do all the repairs. Fortunately for her, she declined that offer. These fake warranties are usually priced at around $300, so she didn't want to pull the trigger on that just yet. That's when I explained to her that she almost certainly was not talking to any representative from HP, but rather just a regular scammer. She was actually surprised to hear this because, remember, there were no warning signs in her mind that told her this phone call was not legitimate. Well, now I had some work to do. Laura left me her computer, and I had three things that I had to do. First off, I needed to get her important files and folders backed up. Like a lot of people, she had some things saved on her computer that were very important to her, but she didn't have them backed up anywhere. So the very first thing I needed to do was make sure we didn't lose anything. Now, this is true for any computer, but especially a computer that's obviously having some kind of problem. So I backed up her documents, pictures, and some other things so that they were safely stored on a separate portable drive. Second thing I did was to check the hard drive to see if it was failing. That's because a lot of the problems she described were consistent with hard drive failure, and that's usually the first thing I check anyway. Wouldn't do any good to fix a software problem if we're going to end up replacing the hard drive and then reinstalling all the software anyway. And when I checked the hard drive... Sure enough, that's the result that came back. It was a hard drive crash. That meant the solution for this computer is to replace the hard drive and reinstall Windows and the other software. The third thing I needed to do was check with HP on the status of the manufacturer warranty. And what I found out was that Laura's laptop did still have a valid warranty. But guess how much longer that warranty was good for? Two days. I checked it on Tuesday, and the warranty was due to expire on Thursday. So obviously we had no time to waste. I called Laura, told her everything I'd found out, and she came back that same afternoon, picked up the computer, and took it back home. Then she called HP, the real one this time, because I gave her the actual phone number to call, and they confirmed, yes, it is still under warranty. That meant they're going to replace the hard drive for free. They're sending her the shipping box to use, all prepaid, and she'll get back her computer with a new hard drive. Of course, she'll have to reinstall her programs and put back on documents and pictures and everything. But when you compare that inconvenience with the cost of just getting a new computer, she's okay with that. 
Now, as we sit back and look at this situation and how it played out, let's think about what we can learn from what happened. I think there are three important lessons here. Lesson number one, don't Google search for a tech support number. Many of the search results that come up are just going to take you to a website that looks very convincing and a person on the phone that might sound very convincing. But don't be fooled. These are criminals. They only want to steal your money. Get the actual phone number from a legitimate source. And a, and a Google search is not a legitimate source. Lesson number two, when you hire a tech, make sure it's someone that you know for sure you can trust. In this case, Laura was an acquaintance of mine from quite a while ago. Her mother and my wife used to teach school together. And of course, Laura sees me on Facebook and knows that I'm in the computer business. If she wanted to, she could even check my online reviews and other things, but that wasn't necessary really in this case. I really hate to say it, but like every other industry, there are some bad computer techs out there. And by bad, I don't mean that they don't know what they're doing. I mean dishonest. They lack integrity. In a case like this one, where the client's coming in and saying, my computer's broken, it's not under warranty, how much does it cost to fix it? Well, some techs are just going to diagnose the hard drive as bad and get paid a few hundred dollars for replacing it and reinstalling Windows. Even though if they wanted to, they can easily check and find out that it is under warranty and the client could actually get all that done for free with the manufacturer. So when you hire someone, try to do it based on a recommendation of a friend or at least check the online reviews. And lesson number three is back up your important files. You knew I was going to get that in here somewhere, right? It's true. I nag my clients about having a backup and I don't make any apologies for that because I've had enough of them come back and thank me for it after their hard drive crashed and they didn't lose anything because I had harassed them enough that they finally set up a backup to protect their important files. And I've also had the misfortune of telling people after a crash with no backup that their kids' pictures were no longer recoverable. That's not a conversation I enjoy having. And the thing is, a backup is not expensive at all, and I can set it up for you remotely. Please just do it. So that's what happened with Laura last week. I love a story with a happy ending. And if I have another case study that I think can be helpful, you know you're going to hear about it. And if you want to support this show, go buy something on Amazon. But use my referral link. Just go to computertutorflorida.com forward slash shop and you'll find yourself right on Amazon. Or click on the Amazon link at the top of my website and just buy the stuff you normally buy anyway. You pay the exact same price you pay at Amazon anyway, but by using that link, that means Amazon sends me a little referral fee. And that's how you can support this podcast. I got lots of ideas for upcoming shows, but if you have a question or an idea for a topic, let's hear it. You can email me at pctutor at gmail.com, or you can call my podcast voicemail line, 727-386-9468, and you can leave a recorded message anytime, day or night. And that'll do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. 
Thanks again for listening and have a great week. God bless.